Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Terrace Talk. The games in the Championship just don't let up, do they? Norwich City, 10 points from a possible 12, four unbeaten, and they travel to Bristol City this weekend. Although I forgive you if you uh, if you can't quite keep up with who they're playing and when at the moment. It is a little bit like that. Um, we're going to be previewing the game on Saturday with the caveat that we are recording this before Bristol City's um, trip to Bournemouth. So whatever Toby says in, in the next half an hour or so could be massively outdated by the time this goes live, but hopefully not. Um, joining us, as, as I said, is Bristol City um, presenter and uh, commentator as well, Toby um, Osborne. And we're also joined by Norwich City fan, James Myhill. Gents, thank you very much for, for joining us. Um, Toby, we'll start to you um, with you because obviously you, you've got that game tonight, as as I mentioned, um, without a win in three. So that, that could change it a little bit tonight. But um, uh, injury problems seem to be mounting up for you guys at the minute. Yeah, big time. Uh, Bristol City, well, made some pretty sort of shrewd signings uh, in the summer. But um, yeah, the last week of, of, whilst we had a midfield that was full of uh, talent and we kind of leaned that out slightly and let a few players get on loan, uh, to various different clubs. We're now in, in a situation where we have a bit of a defensive crisis, which is then turning into a midfield crisis as well. So, uh, yeah, our, our sort of um, our loan, two loan signings from Fulham in the summer, uh, Alfie Mawson and Stephen Sessignon, both have pulled up with long-term injuries uh, in the last week, as has uh, Andy Vyman as well. So, um Whilst Andy Vyman, Andy Vyman is a bit of a Marmite character among some fans, he's um, he's he is pretty influential. So we're we're gutted to be losing him as well. So yeah, light on the ground, but hopefully tonight we can uh, get the result leading into Saturday. Yeah, Norwich fans can certainly sympathise with a defensive crisis, can't they, James? Um, <laughs> after after last season in the Premier League, um, James, let's come to you then to reflect on uh, last night's game against Brentford. Uh, been fairly surprised at how split not necessarily the result has, has has been received but certainly the performance how how did you view that game uh, it felt to me kind of like maybe a, a point gained for Norwich City but equally I, I do understand the frustration surrounding the performance yeah I mean I, it was a frustrating performance for me to sort of watch um last night we sort of weren't really on the, on the top form and and the performance seemed to lack a little bit of a little bit of empathy uh, during the game, um, but I mean to be honest with you, a point at Brentford, I'm sort of very pleased with. I know sort of maybe a few years ago when we were in the championship, I probably wouldn't have said said that. Um, I sort of want to go for the three points, but I think it extends our run sort of going as as, as we are. Um, but looking forward, I think. Yeah, there was a few sort of performances in there that I didn't really sort of fancy. I mean, Cantwell was for once. I think Farkas said that he took him off because he didn't, uh, he didn't sort of play play sort of best half of football. Um, but I mean, we had chances in that game, and and I think it's not always going to fall to us like McLean's sort of shot towards the last few minutes of the game. It's not always going to fall to those chances to us to sort of put them away and, and then just scrape away with a point or, or three points. We need to be a lot more dominant in the performances and actually convert the chances as well. Yeah, absolutely. It, it does feel like luck is is on their side um, at, at the minute, which maybe is um, of benefit after last season. They certainly didn't have any in the Premier League, maybe beyond that that Manchester City game. But we won't harp on about the the Premier League. Um, James, just just on last night, if if we look at that in a, in a bit more depth, um, it was again a, a performance maybe that showed signs of Norwich's squad beginning to tire a little bit. Obviously, Javi Quintia pulled out at, at the last minute. Um, a, a few of those players sort of went down with, with cramp fairly late on as well. It, it looks like the schedule maybe is is catching up with the squad a little bit. Yeah, I think it's the 
is, is the tough rigors of the championship. Everyone sort of knows it's 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 such a tough league to get out of, and obviously with the amount of games that there are, um, ultimately we are sort of going to pick up injuries, especially with how quick the games come in in, in sort of quick succession. Um, I think I don't think it highlights for me, obviously, that there's sort of fitness sort of issues, but I think it it does sort of rely on sort of having a, a good sort of squad rotation. Um, because at the minute we're quite lucky we've got a good squad where actually you can kind of sub people in, sub people out, and you know you're not going to sort of get a drop in performance. Um, but obviously I think somewhere which might creep up on us again, I think we've, we've mentioned this before, Connor, definitely you and I, that defensively we're, we're still very short um, in, in the sense of centre-backs. I know we obviously we lost Godfrey, we've got Gibson in, but we're still obviously down to the bare bones at the back, and I don't really think that... I think that might sort of come to bite us a little bit in, in, in the coming weeks and especially sort of in the, in the run-up to Christmas as well. Yeah, and, and Toby mentioned injuries at, at the start of the show. Let's hope that, that Javi Quintiers isn't too bad because otherwise we, we are looking at a defensive reshuffle, particularly in the in the left-back position for Norwich. Um, Toby, let's let's talk about Bristol City then and their start. It was, what, four wins from, from the opening four games. It, it, it looked fairly positive. And then the last three haven't maybe sort of yielded the same results as as, as the start. Is this kind of a, a natural drop-off for Bristol City? And is the key to whether or not they're going to be successful this season, is, is that going to come in the response? Obviously, two big games against newly relegated opposition in, in Bournemouth and Norwich to come. Yeah, I think, well, the opening the opening four games showed that we do have the quality there to, to mount a charge, certainly for the playoffs this season, which is essentially what our aim is. I don't. I think automatic spots will obviously be a bit of a push as we push to try and get in the Premier League for the first time. It's many years of hurt, unfortunately, for Bristol City fans. Um, but yeah, I mean, the start would have been a lot better had um, we obviously picked up our first draw after the first four wins against Barnsley. Pretty unfair refereeing decision literally about eight minutes into injury time at the end of the second half meant that... Um, Barnsley nicked a point off of us and then a huge defensive error from Taylor Moore unfortunately uh, against Neil Warnock's Middlesbrough at home meant that we lost that game so it's been kind of down to sort of slight errors um, that we that has meant we haven't picked up more points I think the toughest opposition that we faced this season have been Swansea most most recently picked up a decent draw at home and I think that result would have been better received had we not ha- we had had we not dropped points in those previous two fixtures but I think yeah as you say tonight's game is going to be a, a big test just against players that have played in the Premier League it's going to be the same with yourselves on on Saturday as well and that's going to be a real test and when you lose the likes of Alfie Mawson who's used to coming up against those kinds of players we've got two fairly young inexperienced we play five at the back generally two young fairly inexperienced left centre-back and a right centre-back and then we have Thomas Callas um through the middle of of defence, so it'd be interesting to see how they cope with with the be- you know better attacking teams over the course of the next week. But by and large, we obviously had a change of manager in the summer. Lee Johnson uh, left his position. Dean Holden's come in. Uh, he was assistant to Lee Johnson prior to that. Um, but he's there's a sort of different style of management, more kind of arm around the shoulder I think with players he's got two very experienced England youth coaches that are his assistants um, who I think take a lot of the kind of tactical coaching sessions and then Dean Holden sort of spearheads um, that management team so so far so good I think it surprised a lot of City fans because a lot of City fans wanted Chris Hewton was the number one choice 
over the summer. Uh, and for whatever reason, that didn't materialise. And then the owners went with with Dean Holden. But he's he's saying all the right things um, and doing all the right things. But yeah, be interesting to see how they, they respond tonight. And I think that'll be a kind of a judgment as to where we are, because we always start brightly and then it seems to just peel away after Christmas. Um, that's generally been the story of the last couple of seasons. Yeah, I, I know that uh, you guys were very streaky under Lee Johnson. You go through long spells of of maybe being unbeaten and then long spells without a win, which is, isn't necessarily ideal, particularly in a division where you probably need to be a bit consistent. Uh, you referenced the, the change of management there. Dean Holden, obviously, coming in for, for Lee Johnson, his assistant. We've seen quite a few in, uh, internal appointments uh, in, in the EFL this summer. And whether that's because of finances or not, I, I guess we'll, we'll never know. But have you seen a, a marked sort of change in terms of the style of play that Dean Holden is trying to execute? You referenced the the three at the back. Is is that something that is is fairly similar to what Lee Johnson tried to do, or or is he trying to sort of take the the club and the side in in a bit of a different direction? Uh, yeah, there has been a, a shift. I think the biggest thing with Dean Holden has just been his consistency in the formation that we play. It's yeah, those three centre backs and the two flying wing backs. Uh, generally, it's uh, a young lad called Tyreek Backinson who sits as a sort of holding midfielder and then Patterson, Vyman, slightly advanced from him and then the, the two forwards. So kind of a 5-3-2. Um, but he's been really consistent since the restart because that's when he initially came in on a, on a temporary basis and then got the full-time job. And that was the main criticism under Lee Johnson was just the inconsistency in the formation that he was playing. He never seemed set on... Uh, a particular sort of strategy, really. Uh, and Dean Holden, ever since that point, has strictly played that formation. Prior to the last game, I think he'd only made uh, five changes or something like that since he you know, began, I think, in his first, essentially first 10 games uh, uh, as manager of the club. Uh, but the, he had he was forced to kind of make changes for the last game through injury and stuff. But um, yeah, I think by and large, last season, City were making, they, they gained more points on the road where teams were sort of coming onto them a bit more and they could c- catch them on the counter-attack. Uh, this season um, and, and last season, they were generally struggling at home when teams were sitting back and they didn't necessarily have the creativity to to kind of break them down. But Dean Holden's not been afraid to sort of switch things up mid-game. Um, but yeah, we're, we're quite reliant on those those sort of flying wing-backs uh, but the players are playing with a bit more freedom now. They look a lot more confident under Dean Holden, trying things. And the main thing last season as well, just barely picking up any sort of shots on target at all. It was really quite poor towards the end of the season, really lacking any creativity. But um, we brought in Chris Martin from from Derby County on a, on a free during the summer. And he's um, he's become a fan favourite already. He seems to be the man that kind of orchestrates all things good for us at the moment. Yeah, Chris Martin, a man that Norwich know well. I'm going to ask you about him a, a little bit later on. Um, James, we, we heard from Toby there, Bristol City's expectation maybe of trying to challenge for, for the top six. There's plenty of expectation at, at Norwich City. And we won't go into Kira Knightley or a fictional character named, named Julie necessarily. But um, what, have, what have you made of this kind of... Um, I'll describe it as a bit of an arm wrestle between expectation and, and performances. I think a, a lot of people at the moment are kind of saying that Norwich's performances aren't necessarily where they need to be, but yet they're still picking up points. Is that just a, a byproduct of the expectation and, and the increased expectation we're, we're seeing on the group? Or do you feel that there does need to be a, a bit more of a marked improvement in, in terms of performances in the weeks to come? I think that at the moment the performances are okay sort of as they are. They're not kind of cutting edge just yeah, I mean, we've seen sort of 
multiple times, obviously Rancic popping up, obviously with, with sort of very key goals. Um, but I mean, the expectation obviously for myself would sort of be, and I think probably a lot of fans are, the performances at the moment haven't been sort of very sort of top gear just yet. But as, as you say, you know, we're still picking up points. We're still going through this period of where we're picking up three points. We're grabbing a late a late equaliser with Brentford, you know. Um, and I think that for us, if we carry on sort of going where we are, then I think we'll sort of happily sort of go along. But it's the old kind of cliche thing in football that obviously if you sort of scrape wins, you know, scrape points away from home, you know, last minute winners, it's it's championships sort of winners, playoffs kind of that kind of form. You know, we saw it several times um, during our sort of title winning season, or actually how many times were we sort of behind, the performances weren't really sort of up to par. Um, and then obviously there would always be someone there to sort of pop up, Pookie, you know, and then there's anyone at all um, would always kind of just drive us forth and they would give us a little bit of that extra belief. Um, I think that in expectations, I think we can sort of expect to be sort of playoffs um, at the moment. Um I would sort of see us sort of aiming towards the playoffs, obviously, for, for, for this season. I don't see that there's sort of any reason why we can't sort of be challenging for, for, the, for those top two positions, but it's still very, very early doors at the moment. And everyone knows the first sort of 10 games or so in, in, in the championship are always sort of a bit, a bit manic. Um, and I think we'll, you know, time will tell in the next few weeks. I think in the next month as well, I think once we get to sort of December and into that sort of Christmas period, that will sort of determine where we sort of end up uh, in, in in my view um, because I think after where you are after a certain amount of games is not very very rarely far from where you are actually sort of finishing up with um, but I think in in the sort of grand scheme of things at the moment that the, as you say the performances aren't quite there we're not our, our sort of key best, but I still think we're getting away with things. I think we're still kind of happily going along and and not really sort of hitting top gear just yet. Yeah, and, and I don't think there are many teams in the championship, maybe with the exception of Reading at the moment, who, who have uh, certainly started exceptionally, who, who are playing in, in top gear. And of course, you have to remember as well, and it's the same for every team, but Norwich didn't have a, a pre-season. They obviously tried to change their squad a lot. Daniel Farker's probably trying to introduce a lot of new things as well. And and equally, they've, they're, they're kind of trying to do that all whilst trying to win games. And also while, also while trying to sort of do that in, in a really condensed schedule. I mean, it's, it's tight in the championship anyway, but particularly at the moment, it's it's Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday for however, the next however many weeks. It's, it's going to be really interesting to see how they how they get on. Um, in, in terms of, of, of Norwich as well, there's obviously the debate around Quintier. If he isn't fit for, for Saturday's game, what do Norwich look to do defensively? Because for all of the coverage that perhaps their, their lack of depth at at centre-half has got equally they don't necessarily have that at left-back either we saw Jakob Sorensen fill in last night very last minute did quite well for 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 that game um how do you see Daniel Farker sort of going in for, for this game and in the future as well if, if Xavi Quintier isn't fit for Saturday I think if I think if Quintier is not fit on on Saturday it certainly throws us a bit of a conundrum as I say because left-back availability with Sam McCallum going out on loan back out to Coventry um, it does sort of leave us short in, in, in that sort of position. But I think formation-wise, I would probably even look at, at sort of a 3-5-2. Um, I don't think there's any reason why that wouldn't work. Um, you had sort of Gibson with Hanley and and possibly with Sorensen as well. You know, he proved that, you know, he can fill that sort of left-back void. I know he was thrown into the sort of first team at the, I think it was with a two or three minutes notice. I think he was sort of given, given the nod. 
um, but it performed really well. Um, and I, I think with three five two, that kind of offers us that bit of sort of protection, obviously with with five five in midfield, um, especially with Rupp. Um, I think Rupp has obviously for the for the formation wise, I think he's been very sort of unfairly treated. I think by a lot of the fans um, because he, he he was. I think he was sort of probably being a bit of a scapegoat, you know, when obviously the performances weren't quite there. But he really has. I think really performed really well this season, um, so I don't see any reason why not not sort of keep him in the side, keep his keep him sort of flowing, um, and obviously with with the sort of top two as well, um, you know, with Hugill played brilliantly well, Pukki for me obviously Pukki's not firing really on all cylinders at the moment, um, but I think the sort of pressure's off him a little bit because he's not he's not expected to get the goals every single game. There is obviously there's Hugill there, there's Eder as well. Um, so I think that I think three five two probably be a good formation because it kind of offers a lot of flexibility for us, um, and obviously it can always be changed mid game. But I think given the current status with our defensive crisis, um, <laughs> with sort of Zimmerman out um, and now obviously Kintia potentially out as well, I think that quite offers us a lot of dynamic, dynamic flow and dynamic route in the game. It's always a defensive crisis at Norwich City, isn't there? I've, I've done this job for about a year now. I don't think we, we're yet to have a period without a defensive crisis, but um, I'll, look, I'll look forward to it when it's, when it's not the case. Um, Toby, you mentioned Chris Martin. He's, he's obviously a player that Norwich City fans know well. He, he had a, a fairly decent spell with the club, particularly during their, their League One title winning season, almost over 10 years ago now, which is, uh, which is turning the clock back a little bit. He's, he's sort of turned up at Bristol City. It's fair to say, perhaps from the outside, people weren't really sure what to what to make of him going there but he's actually been a bit of a an assist machine I think that's fair to say yeah so four I think it's four assists so far this season sorry the sun has just randomly come out of nowhere <laughs> um four assists for this weekend that's what he's doing there you go it's an omen <laughs> yeah absolutely um so yeah four assists so far this season a couple of goals as well um and yeah he's just he's forming a nice partnership with we've we've kind of got a nice quartet of strikers in in Naki Wells um Famara Jeju and then the young uh well a young sort of rising star if you like that's attracted a lot of interest from the likes of Chelsea Antoine Semenyo as well so they're forming quite a nice sort of um quartet um in that that kind of been rotating so far this season but yeah he's been in the side he he was kind of, by and large, fairly ineffective against uh, Swansea. I wonder whether that was just maybe games kind of catching up on, on him maybe slightly, um, as Dean Holden, because he was playing so well, was just keeping him in the side and the sort of rotating Wells and, and, and Semenyo. Um, but yeah, brilliant. And he's kind of um, the pivot for for that midfield as well. Obviously, less numbers in, in the middle of midfield, which means he's he's become a real asset, dropping short and kind of holding the ball up and... He rarely seems to lose the ball. The ball just seems to stick to his feet at the moment, which is which is good. And I think, yeah, Bristol City fans didn't expect an awful lot when he came in uh, in the summer. <clears throat> Obviously, he picked up a decent number. I think he hit double figures for Derby last season. So it's not like he um, he went amiss or anything like that. And I think a lot of Derby fans were unhappy, you know, that he didn't end up staying. I think he was offered another contract with Derby County, but decided to, to move on to pass his new uh, and yeah, and he's he's on a two-year deal and seems to be um, firing on all cylinders and hopefully he can do the same again tonight. Mm, yeah, you've, you seem to have got sort of an old-fashioned big man, little man partnership between him and Naki Wells. And Naki Wells did pretty well at, at QPR as well as, as as part of a similar sort of setup with obviously Jordan Hugill, who, who now finds himself at, 
at Norwich. So is, is that something that, that Bristol City have, have looked to try and utilise at the top end of the pitch? Chris Martin's sort of, um, I don't I don't want to say playmaking abilities because that might be overstating or understating it, I'm not sure. Um, but but certainly his sort of capabilities in, in the air and his ability to tee up Naki Wells, who by all accounts is is someone who, who's a bit of a, a, a well, a, a consistent finisher at this level, I'd, I'd say. Yeah, I think they complement each other quite nicely. Um, I don't think Chris... Chris Martin almost plays in a bit of a. He's not. He's just a more of an unselfish striker. Naki Wells is just desperate to to find the net and looks furious with himself if he comes off at the end of the game and he hasn't hasn't scored or is substituted with 15 minutes to go, which is a great, um, you know, character trait to have. Uh, and the two of them are keeping Jeju out the side, who's been our sort of top scorer the last two seasons. Similar player to Jeju, um, Chris Martin in some respects. His touch maybe just slightly edges. Jeju, that's where he, he struggles maybe sometimes uh, in kind of linking up play in the sort of final third, Jeju. Um, but we've got four quite different strikers, really. Jeju offers loads defensively. He, he kind of tracks back and uh, is crucial at corners, defensive corners for Bristol City, does so much to help out that back five. Um, Martin, obviously, we've spoken about, and Wells is a real finisher. And then Semenyo is this sort of similar, probably... Not quite as tall as those two target men, but um, really strong, quick, and powerful. He's just his decision made, making maybe not quite there just yet, and, and will come. He's only twenty or so. Um, will come, and he's obviously learning from some pretty experienced strikers. So hopefully he'll come on this season as well. Yeah, it's uh, it's certainly a, a good. Um good sort of host of options that Dean Holden has his, his disposal up front at the moment. Um, James, we, we've spoken about maybe the quality of Norwich City's performances. Going into this weekend, where would you really like to see them improve? Is is there, I mean, you've referenced defensively, is is there is that the area you think, I mean, when I when I think of the last three goals conceded, obviously the, the one against Brentford, which came, although was a very good counter-attack, I've actually watched it back this morning and very effective in, in the way they moved the ball and how quickly they, they did it. But it all stems from a Norwich City throw-in. Obviously, Wickham's goal, which comes from a bit of hesitation from, from Grant Hanley and maybe Tim Krull as well, although that might be a bit harsh. And then obviously, Freddie Ladapo's goal, which, which comes from an error as well. So the goals Norwich City are conceding aren't necessarily because teams are, are playing through them or, or outworking them. No, because I think if, as you say, you know, if if you if you were poor defensively, obviously they would be cutting through you every single every single attack that they had. And the fact is, as you say, Wickham didn't really cut through us at all. Brentford obviously had opportunities, but only because Norwich left the door open for them. Um, so I think that's uh, somewhere we've got to try and improve on. I don't know whether it's a, a communication thing at the back um, or not, but obviously it just seems that any sort of set piece, Norwich tend to switch off. And that's it. It's, it's that split second of switching off. Obviously, will will sort of punish us. And, and the same happened last night uh, against Brentford. Um, you know, Wickham as well. Mm, was it really switching off? Was it communication thing? But I don't know whether it's obviously nervousness as well. Um, but I, I think the, for us, I don't think there's anything wrong with you know the other areas of the pitch. You know, the attacking side, the midfield. I think we're quite sort of strong in, in those sort of areas. It's just. The set pieces, you know, the dead ball situations is where we've been caught out. You know, I don't know reference last year, but we said it last year. You know, we said it the championship the year before, and we're still sat here saying it now that obviously it's the dead ball situations that are costing us. Um, and the only reason that it mattered before, or didn't it doesn't matter before, is obviously because we were outscoring the opposition. You know, we were scoring sort of many a goals. Um, 
you can say about like Millwall, if you think in the championship, our winning season, the title winning season, you know, we conceded three, but that's okay, we scored four. So everyone thought, oh, well, that's fine. You know, there's, there's you know, we're outscoring the opposition, but those defensive um, frailties are still there. Um, so I think mainly sort of area, as we always refer to as Norwich fans, um, it's, it's just the defensive areas we've got, we've got to worry about because we will get punished. Yeah, I, felt, I was I was trying to think about this the other day. I think in my lifetime, there's only been sort of one Norwich team that I can really look at as being fairly decent defensively, which which maybe says something. That was Nigel Worthington's title-winning season. So um, that, that that really is uh, takes some doing, unless you've, you've got something to, to prompt me. But that, that really is it, I think. Um, if, if we turn our attention to the top end of the pitch, Daniel Farkas sort of tried playing with Jordan Pugel and Timo Pukki. It didn't really maybe have the, the sparks that some people wanted to see. He then obviously put Mario Vrancic in that number 10 position last night at Brentford. Which way do you think he'll go against Bristol City? I guess some of it might be influenced by the fact Adam Eder's also suspended for the next two games, served the first of his of his free match um, against Brentford. Is that an area where you would like Norwich City to try and persist with, with Timmy Puki and, and Jordan Hugill? Or actually do you try and maybe sacrifice Hugh Gill in order to get Mario Vrancic in, into the team? Because it's it's clear that Daniel Farker sees him as, as a number 10 at the moment. I think it's difficult um, because a lot of fans obviously pinned a lot of hopes on Puki. Um, you know, he, he scored a lot of goals in the Championship, scored a lot of goals, or say a lot, scored a few for us in the Premier League. Um, and everyone's hoping I was dropped back down to the Championship with Norwich. You know, we'll obviously be able to carry on where he left off. And I don't know if it's a confidence thing for him at the moment, but... If it was me, I would sort of drop Pookie um, for the minute. Um, I think Hugill is, is is fine, obviously, as he is up top. Um, but I think it's a service thing as well for him. We know, obviously, what, what a good header of the ball he is. Um, you know, we, we've not really sort of utilised that at the moment. But I, it's probably a very unpopular opinion, but I, I would like to see Mario start, you know, as much as the next person. But obviously, last night when I saw the team, that was great. He's starting, but I just don't think that at the moment, it suits the kind of style of play for us to start him right from the very beginning or the first minute. I think he's fine to come on as a super sub. Now, that might change given if could decide to sort of change it up a little bit. But I think at the moment, Cantwell's fine, obviously, in the number 10 position. And I think with Cantwell, obviously, and Hugh Hill and Pookie and Ida, he's proved that he can sort of really pick, pick out the passes and find them. So I think it'd be silly to sort of change it at the moment. Um, but obviously, for me, on the, going into the weekend, I would obviously keep with Canwell, drop Pookie, and have and, and have Hugo up top. Oh, you're a, you're a madman, James. Um, <laughs> brave, yeah, we'll get we'll go brave. Um, Toby, if and I always ask our, our sort of opposition guys who, who we get on to, to answer a similar question. But if you're Daniel Farker for for a moment, and, and you're standing there in in your uh, green black Parker, whichever one of of, of choice, how, how do you look to to beat Bristol City, what are the areas of the, of the pitch that that you'd probably look to exploit? Oh, this is this is tough given the given the game away. Um, well, I, th- I think at the moment, I mean, Thomas Callas has come back in um, at the perfect time, really, um, given that Alfie Mawson is now injured. Maybe still sort of a, a slight bit of inexperience and weakness in terms of our left centre back, right centre back, the two that sit either side. Um, of of Thomas Callas defensively as well. The wing backs, we kind of now Sessignon's out. Generally, it's going to be Jack Hunt, um, who sometimes from a defensive perspective, he's kind of reached the twilight 
area of his career, if you like. So maybe slowing up down that right-hand side, well, your left-hand side, if you like. And then there's maybe the inexperience of, of Backinson in midfield slightly as well. Chris Brunt, I think, will probably start again tonight, who we obviously brought in on a free um, from West Brom in the summer. Uh, but yeah, Tyreek Backinson, sometimes his kind of concentration maybe for the full 90 minutes isn't necessarily isn't necessarily there. Um, and yeah, I think that, you know, this Bristol City side capable of, of kind of switching off maybe at the vital moments and there being the odd mistake that, that sneaks in and has cost us points, was cost us about four points so far this season. I mentioned obviously the Barnsley result and the um, the Middlesbrough result as well. So yeah, maybe just a slight bit of inexperience to, to capitalise on. And and how do you see Bristol City approaching this one against Norwich? Because you said you, you harbour ambitions of of being in, in the top six. We've seen teams, maybe with the exception of, of Preston and, and Brentford, be very respectful to Norwich and, and maybe put men behind the ball, which Norwich have found difficult, but maybe not as difficult as when teams, as James has alluded to, have, have really got at them. Which direction do you think Bristol City will, will go on Saturday? Well, Dean Holden's made it clear from the start that whilst he'll be respectful to, to other teams, it's it's down to City to to play their their style of football. They don't necessarily want to have to react to the way another side um, is playing. I think now we've we've lost Andy Vyman. Uh, he's so important from us. From a sort of he, he provides so much energy. He's pressing. He runs consistently like a madman for for the full. 90 minutes and to lose him is is really quite a significant blow for us um so it now falls to the likes of Calamo Dowder who's maybe not hit the dizzy heights um that some may have expected for Bristol City to kind of come in and really step up to the mark but I think City will look to to play their own game um uh, whilst giving Norwich respect but I think yeah I think they'll they'll come to to get a to get a result and I think on the road generally Bristol City against stronger teams have actually been quite you know successfully in recent years and they're re- they are really capable of pulling off a bit of a shock result I know our form against Norwich is pretty poor I'm not sure we've beaten you since 2009 or something like that um, but I know last season it was t- I think it was 2-2 at Carrow Road and I think we went behind and then O'Dowder actually scored quite a good goal minutes later, like literally 30 seconds later or something like that. So, yeah, we're capable of producing some pretty decent performances. Um, but it's, yeah, it's the consistency, I guess. Hmm, interesting. Um, James, let's let's come to you then as, as we begin to, to sort of round off uh, our, our discussion on, on this game. How, how do you see it going from Norwich's perspective? And of course, I am going to ask you, I'm afraid, for the, the dreaded school prediction. Um, I, I don't know how many of these you've, you've listened to this season, but I think with the exception of Mike, who is on for um, to preview Brentford, I think uh, he's, he's the only one that's predicted a Norwich City win in a game so far this season. So I'm hoping you'll be a bit more optimistic. I can be a bit more optimistic. Whether whether we'll be truthful or not is another question. Uh, <laughs> I think we'll. I think we are going to concede against Bristol City. I think it's just the Norwich way. You know, I don't think we're going to go to a place like like Bristol City and, and sort of keep a clean sheet. Um, I, I would go. I think for two two one to Norwich because um, I think again I think the luck will just be with us one last time. I think just to sort of get a, a last minute goal. I mean, I'm hoping it doesn't go right until like the 89th or 90th minute this time so I don't think my heart can take it along with the other Norwich City fans um, but I it's I think for me with 2-1 I just I don't know if this is everyone else's view but it always seems that Norwich don't start to play 
until the other team score and then obviously kind of ramps them up a little bit and then go, right, well, we actually need to start playing properly now. So I think it'll probably be 1-0 to, to Norwich at half-time and then we'll finish up 2-1 victors at the end, I hope. It, it will certainly be nice not to have a, a late goal because um, I, I probably have had to change my match report three or four times this season um, because of because of late goals. So let's let's hope that's not the case. And of course, for for people's heart rates, as, as you mentioned, James, um, Toby, from a Bristol City perspective, again, same question, really. How do you see this game going? And um, of course, the score prediction. Well, Bristol City generally like a late goal, so that's probably not a, a good thing. Well, I'll tell you what, we'll all switch off to 85 minutes. How about that? And then, and then tune in and see, see where the game's at. Yeah, absolutely. And, and generally, Bristol City, they do turn up when the sky cameras are there as well. So that's uh, that's maybe a good omen as well. But I think, yeah, for, if we can, I could, it'd be nice to pick up, I, in an ideal world, I could see us picking up four sort of four points from this week. Um and I'd probably go, yeah, I mean, I think if we nick a draw tonight and then I could see us, yeah, winning maybe 2-1. So I'll reverse that um, from you, James, uh, and make it 2-1 Bristol City with a late winner. Brilliant. Late, late winners all round. Let's, uh, let's hope so. Guys, thank you so much uh, for joining me. Thank you very much for watching or, or listening. If you listen to this as a podcast, of course, pinkin.com, the place to go. We'll be uh, at Ashton Gate on Saturday. It's, um, it's a long old trip for Norwich. I think it's, it's probably going to be an overnight job for us as well. So um, let's hope Norwich can produce a performance worthy of, of that. Um, of course, you guys will, will be watching from, from home and, and whatnot as well, which um, hopefully will, will change in the not so distant future. Um, Thank you very much for watching. Make sure you stay safe. We'll be back with one of these again very, very soon. Of course, we do it all again on Tuesday as uh, Norwich welcome Millwall to to Carroll Road. So we'll be back before you know it. Um, But uh, of course, all eyes on this weekend. Thank you very much for watching. 